Welcome along this afternoon. And something that we talk about quite a lot at the moment is, of course, the referendum. And particularly Article 41.2 of the referendum. You can decide whether you want to vote yes or you want to vote no and how you value women in the Constitution. Some people believe it needs to be updated. But an interesting study came out from the Iona Institute, along with a Morak, that suggests that more than two-thirds of mothers, 69% actually, with children under the age of 18, would prefer to stay at home with their children rather than go to work if they can actually afford it. Now, according to the Constitution, by the way, the state says you shouldn't have to go to work to necessitate looking financially after your children. So maybe the state should have been looking after these women for the last 30 or 40 years. But anyway, the idea that this referendum is around, you know, a woman's place being in the home is completely utter nonsense, according to most people, because no woman in this country, certainly for the last 20 or 30 years, has been forced to stay at home through any circumstance. There was, of course, laws many, many years ago where if you worked in the civil service and you got married, well, you had to kind of stay at home. But that certainly isn't the case now. And I don't think any woman has been impeded, you know, in venturing off into some career and whatever it happened to be because of the Constitution of Ireland. Well, the very fact that 69% of them want to stay at home with their children, which ties in with a solace uh, study that was done about six or seven years ago, which had a similar figure of women when asked if they could stay at home with their children and could afford to, would they prefer to do that? And they said yes. To look at this study in a little bit more detail, I'm joined on the line and in here uh, on the video as well by Professor Patricia Casey, who's a professor of psychiatry at UCD and also in the Hermitage Clinic as well. Um, good afternoon to you, Patricia. Good afternoon to you, Niall, and to your listeners. Okay, so what does this study actually mean? I, I mean, it kind of tells us what we kind of already knew, that many women, and, and probably some men too, by the way, let's not leave them out, but the study doesn't go into so much detail on that, but certainly when it comes to women, because that's what we're talking about primarily coming up to the referendum on the 8th, um, want to stay at home, would rather stay at home if they had the opportunity, most likely for the formative years of a child's life. Indeed. And by the way, I'm, I wasn't a stay-at-home mother. I was a working mother for the whole of my life and I'm still working. I never stayed at home. So I, I have no axe to grind on this one way or the other. Mm. Um, what it tells us, though, coming up to the referendum is that, you, that, that we need to be cognizant that women have always been given the choice about whether to work or not. It, that was actually what this article is doing. It's saying, if you want to work outside the home, you can, and we will endeavour to do the best we can to make sure that you can do it and that you don't have to go out for economic necessity. Now, that was never achieved. But I think that's a fairly noble aspiration, that you should be willing to give women the opportunity to stay at home if they wish to, and that that should be enshrined in the Constitution. Well, no, it was this a bit of an aspiration. It was a bit of an aspiration, wasn't it, Patricia? Because we never really paid women to stay at home anyway. So the government, I mean, at the time when the Constitution was written, I don't know whether there was a, some sort of aspiration to pay women to stay at home. We never really actually did that, did we? Well, that part of it was an aspiration, mm. but the recognition of the importance of the role of mothers was given effect in several legal areas. For example, in relation to maintenance, um, the judge, whose name escapes me at the moment, um, relied upon um, that article to, get, to ensure that women got adequate maintenance so that they could maintain their, their, their responsibility to their children. Um, it was also um, used in relation to desertion and that deserted wives should get, should get 
payment. And um, yes, yeah, so, so it, it has had tangible consequences and in, in, in um, taxation as well, in fact, because mm. prior to 1980, um, single people were treated, were given more preference in taxation than were married couples they were treated better they got they got better tax breaks that was changed based on this article so it has actually had tangible benefits for women although most of us don't realize it because it's all taken for granted now I mean, what, what's surprising in this particular survey, which was carried out by Amoric uh, on behalf of the Ion Institute, is that the, the question that was asked was, if you had the option and money was no issue, would you prefer to stay at home or be a stay-at-home mother? Uh, 69% said yes, 22% said no, and 10% said they didn't know. So realistically, 79% didn't say no, if you know, if you understand the point they're making. So only 22%, you know, only one-fifth of mothers said they would prefer to go to work. Now, I don't know whether that's due to, maybe in their own head, the, the economic necessity of wanting to go to work, uh, to have that extra few bob in cash. But the idea that, you know, this particular referendum is being floated as a woman's place is in the home. Now, we do value a woman's place in the home, but the idea that that somehow, you know, women are, you know, somehow impeded. Now, it would be fair to say, Patricia, that over the last 30 years, certainly maybe not over the last five or 10, but over the last 30 years, that there have been barriers and obstacles to women getting a career. Well, there have been barriers and the barriers were to do with, were, 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 um, were to do with, I suppose, the ethos in some, in some mm. professions that um, that um, were male male dominated. Um, there was also the educational barrier that for many years um, boys were given um, superior education to girls. Girls tend to stay at home. The boys went to went to expensive schools and that. So there there were those kinds of barriers. There was also the barrier. I think that many women. It wasn't that they didn't want to get careers. But if there were careers that, that didn't balance work and life, they were put off by that. So, for example, if a woman wanted to become a surgeon, that was very difficult because being on call 24-7 um, in, in a hospital, being up all night, isn't something that a woman with children would want to do, particularly if she is there, if she is care, trying to care for them in the home and has only limited access to childcare. There were other professions like teaching, which were very um, friendly towards women um, and, and very much favorable in terms of the work-life balance were chosen for that reason. So that's why we've got a dominance of women in some professions and not in others. That of course has changed significantly now as women are outstripping men academically mm -hmm. and therefore, um, you know, go going ahead and pursuing, pursuing careers. Yeah. So in relation to where this sits with the current constitution and certainly with the referendum, which is very important over these next couple of weeks or so for people to make the right decision, um, the idea that I suppose that this devalues women, i.e. that it's sexist in some way, and I know some commentators and politicians have suggested that maybe it would have been a better idea rather than removing Article 41.2, which is essentially what they're doing and replacing it with the carer's wording, would have been to change it to mothers and fathers or women and men. Uh, would that have been more acceptable for the voter, do you think? 
Oh, I think it would. It would certainly have been more acceptable to be an I'm a voter who's going to be voting no. If it were men and women, I'd, I'd happily change and, and vote in, in, in favour of it. And there's no reason why they, uh, th there's no explanation as to why they didn't do that. But then, of course, we are very much in the dark about the whole process that was gone through in arriving at this wording. But it would have been a very sensible approach. I think what's been what's been proposed is very insulting to women because it is it isn't removing us completely from the constitution, but it is taking out the word woman and home. And and I think the two are are intimately intertwined and I think that's insulting to women. As I've said at the beginning, this article gives women the choice. It says, you know, you don't have to stay in the home we will, if you if you wish, we will try to ensure that you uh, don't have to stay in the home as best we can. And that can only be a, a, a positive thing. What is proposed now is a very much weaker thing. We shall therefore endeavor um, um, to, to ensure um, is, 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 is much stronger than what is proposed Which in is the strive, current. Yes. Um, yeah, the, the, current you, it, it, the current wording, by the way, is placing the onus on family, I suppose, as carers, not the government. It talks about the family and it also talks, uses the word which people have criticised them over and Citizens Assembly certainly didn't suggest the word strive. Strive is not a very positive word yeah. like endeavour or like guarantee, for example, or words like that that would have been more acceptable to use. But then again, uh, we are talking about the new wording, which is all about carers and not about actually mothers. Now, there is two other mentions of women in the Constitution. This is the third mention, which will now be removed. But it's the only mention, as far as I know, of the word mother, isn't it? Yes, it is the only mention of the word mother. Um, and one of the other mentions of woman is in the context of work and that women and men are entitled to um, work mm. for a livelihood um, in Article 45. I don't know what the third one is, but this is the only one where where women and mother and, and home are mentioned in, in the one in the one article. And so, so what, it's really, so what you're saying, what you're saying to um, women is, is that, you know, this particular piece of wording, although maybe a little bit old and could have been updated to make it gender neutral to some degree. Um, you're saying that this particular piece of wording values women rather than devalues them. Yes, it does. And, you know, it's it's a pity that organisations that claim to speak for women don't mm. um, stand up for them. Like the National Women's Council, they claim to speak for all women, but they don't speak for women in the home. Um, they don't speak for women like me. So I think, and, and they are government funded. So I think this, there's a strong, um, I think the, the, the funding given to the Women's Council raises a question about their commitment to um, independence in this referendum rather than to follow in the government agenda. Well, I, I know Ronan Mullen was talking about the McKenna principle, which of course uh, dictates what taxpayers' money can be spent on at the time of a referendum. In other words, taxpayers' money can't be spent on a campaign on either side, either a yes or a no. And obviously mentioned, he mentioned, of course, the Women's Council of Ireland, which you mentioned as well, where their staff and their staff costs are being paid primarily by government funding. And, you know, that obviously has to be looked in. It's not going to be looked into, obviously, before the referendum, but certainly afterwards. But I suppose there was a case going back a few weeks ago where Roderick O'Gorman kind of insinuated, uh, he didn't say it in so many words, but he was wondering that any, any NGO that wouldn't be campaigning for a yes vote, they would need to give very good details as to why they weren't, which is 
almost seems like a, an, under, an underlying threat. Yes, and I think that's why, why organisations like the National Women's Council have come under scrutiny and are on the radar because um, we know what he means by that. And he, clearly the National Women's Council is one of those who is funded and who shouldn't be campaigning for a yes vote. Mm-hmm. In relation to the referendum, the other part of the referendum, the family, of course, um, aspect of the referendum as well. I mean, they obviously want to change that part of it as well to durable relationships. Um, I, I'm not too familiar with, with what your feelings might be on that, Patricia. But um, in your mind, do you believe that we have a clear definition of a durable relationship? Because according to the, the leaflet no. or pamphlet that was sent out, it's a committed relationship for up to two years. But that's been questioned by many people now at this stage. There is no definition of durable relationships provided in in the information in in, in, in that, that I have seen in relation to this. And a durable relationship of two years, it's not like other countries where if a couple are cohabiting, they can go and sign a document in, yep. in, 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 in some office and, and say... Similar that, to that Italy, this yes. Is, Italy um, have a durable uh, relationship, uh, yeah. Yeah, Italy have that situation yes, where you can... And, 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 and so we have nothing like that. So anybody can say it. Um, how can you prove it? So I think we do need... This is where documents and papers are important, where where the, the legal piece of paper is important and that this isn't a relationship that has just been going on for three weeks or two weeks and that it really is two years and, and is, you know, showing the signs of being permanent. We need that as a minimum but why they have to um tinker with it in this way given that um marriage might might well that you know that a change might be a disincentive to marry if there's no place um for marriage in the constitution and marriage is the best way to achieve stability for children and for family life it's not perfect it's not ideal we all know that but people who are married tend to divorce less often than, than other um, marital, than, sorry, than other um, combinations yeah. of couples. And so, so, and that hasn't been, been concerned, discussed at all because it's not fashionable to do that. But I think the biggest objection to this is the sort of wishy-washy term of a durable relationship. Well, how would you, how um, would you define uh, it, Patricia? Because we, we do have to accept, of course, that there are other, are, there are other types of relationships. Um, we have to accept that there are single parents uh, out there as well. There's, you know, same-sex couples. Uh, there are people in civil partnerships. There are people who live together for 20 or 30 years and don't get married because they don't want to get married. They're quite happy not being married. So how do we include and have some sort of e- or equality across the board for those, you know, who are married and those who are not in those other types of family relationships? How do we do that? Do we just legislate for that? I think that I think it would be very difficult to get an all-encompassing phrase into the constitution that would both keep marriage there and also recognise these other ones. Now, maybe maybe I need a bit more time to think about that, but I think it could, there's absolutely no reason why it can't be legislated for. And in fact, we've seen in the case a few weeks ago where a widower felt. To he was deprived of the widower's pension because he wasn't married to the woman concerned. And and the, um, the, the Supreme Court, I think it was, overturned that. So there's no reason why these various combinations can't be taken one by one as they arise and are seen to be 
um, potentially durable. I mean, the word durable also, something that's durable, it, I'm not so sure if I heard the word durable, I would think that it was going Harmless. to last. It might have yeah. potential to last. It might yeah. have the potential to last. But but it could be something like, which by the, uh, by the time together has shown that it is durable or words to that or effect. committed or a I committed relationship doable. yeah it's not doable for legislation in relation uh, just finally in relation to the survey and again this survey was uh was carried out by Amoric uh, on behalf of the Iona Institute 69% of women said that they would rather stay at home these are children under the age of 18 if they could afford to do so do you think we should be doing more about that? I mean, leaving aside the constitution, leaving aside the referendum, the fact that so many mothers would rather stay at home. What more could we do? Now, I remember Bertie Hearn, for example, in his day suggested paying women a salary if they wanted to stay at home because it really wouldn't cost the state a huge amount of money because, of course, that would free up, as we know, we have a very low unemployment rate in Ireland. And if women wanted to stay at home, that means there's a position for somebody else, you know, to take that position in the workplace. So, in other words, they would get the tax back on that and it's all big, one big money go round, as we well know. Do you believe they should be doing more for women who want to stay at home? I do. Um, I mean, firstly, there's a housing issue. There's a shortage of housing and there's a shortage of affordable housing. And we think about marginalised groups requiring housing, and that's absolutely as it should be. But we mustn't forget that couples with families need need proper houses as well. And and if we want to encourage women to stay at home, if, if we believe that some women who want to should should stay at home, and clearly women themselves do, then I think the government should be including in the group that need to be taken into account in the affordable housing equation should be married married couples. I think also there are tax problems that need to be looked at mm, as well. Absolutely. Now, the government has, has so far focused exclusively on, on um, childcare, and you know, setting up childcare, but childcare is inadequate. It's only second best to home care. Uh, childcare outside the home is only second best to care in the home. And I think the government should perhaps consider paying um, close relatives um, a sum of money as well to care for their children, to give them some kind of carer's allowance rather than because because a lot of women would be much more com and men would be much more comfortable with an aunt or a, you know a niece or a brother or sister look at looking after their children so i think that some attention some thought should be given to how that can be um supported um so that they don't have to have government-sponsored childcare where children have to be you know gotten up at the crack of dawn early in the morning bust across the town to 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 the to the crash and collect it again in the evening. Um, it's really terribly stressing on children as well, I think. So I think there are a number of things that the government can do to to take this if they take this more seriously. Can I ask you just finally, in your own personal view, in relation to this referendum, which was strategically, I suppose, uh, positioned on the International Women's Day as well. Um, maybe not too good for the government, by the way, if it backfires and there's a no vote, it's not going to go down well with the government before an election, uh, before the certainly the June elections, the local elections, and maybe a general election before the end of the year. But in general terms, 
Do you believe or what is the motive behind this particular referendum? Because it seemed to most that I've spoken from a legal point of view to be completely unnecessary. Um, and it's something that's been floating around for many years. Sure, since I've started in talk radio, I've often heard that, oh, you know that line in the Constitution of Mother's Place is in the home. And we all know that's not exactly what it means anymore. So it seemed a kind of unnecessary piece of, uh, an unnecessary change, apart from those who thought it was a bit outdated. Um, do you believe that we, as a government and as a country, are attacking the family, generally speaking? I do. I do. I think, though, that the agenda is wider than the family. I think the agenda is all bound up with trying to erase any of the traditional distinctions and structures in society. There were the biological distinctions between men and women. There are the there were distinctions between married and unmarried people. Um, there were distinctions between different family types. And mm -hmm. some of those should go. I, I I don't doubt that. But I think some of the very basic ones, like between men and women, between the differences between biological men and biological women, and the the difference between um, uh, I, I think that's probably so. So I well, okay. I think but do you do you do you think yeah? Do you think in marriage? Okay, sorry for interrupting. But do you think the bond of marriage? or the, the legal bond, forget about the matrimonial bond or the religious bond, but the legal bond of marriage, do you think that should always hold more weight than, say, two people who live together for 20 years? Yes, I do. I do. Because we know that those relationships are more stable. And, and so I think that this is, but this is about more than marriage. I think this is a much wider agenda about um, removing any um, um, definitive values about anything including science mm -hmm. and I think that's deeply worrying Well listen it's been nice talking to Professor Patricia Casey thank you very much for indeed for joining us and, and it's an interesting fact actually that more than two thirds of mothers 69% with children under the age of 18 would prefer to stay at home with their children than actually go to work if they could afford to do it I wish I could give them all the money <laughs> listen thank you very much indeed Patricia and thank you for joining us thank you the multi-award winning Niall Boylan podcast listen live on Facebook YouTube and all the usual live stream services to get in touch just WhatsApp or text 085 100 the Niall Boylan podcast they told me to shut up available for download from all your usual platforms 